All righty. This is the Sunday edition from home draft week of the PFF forecast. It is uh, May 2nd. Uh, we are going to do have a lot of fun here. So we're going to recap the draft. We're going to pick two to three winners and losers from the team standpoint. Then we're going to talk offensive and rookie, uh, defensive rookie of the year odds. Some other futures. There's obviously MVP, division, Super Bowl, and conference um, odds that are up. Uh, and maybe at the end, we'll talk a little bit about uh, the syndicate and uh, your story. You have a good story from uh, going to, to cash those tickets today. So uh, with that being said, let's rock. Yeah, I want to say that story for the end because it's a good story. Yeah, it, I, it was a great week. I mean, there's no way to sort of splice it. Would have been slightly better had Fields gone to the Niners, I think both from a football perspective and from a betting perspective. But um, almost everything else, uh, you know, hit in some way. Um, even Friday when I got to say most of the bets were of the degenerate ilk, um, we still won big. So, um that that was a it was a fun time, and I, I thought the the folks at PFF, um, you know, Sam, Steve, Austin, yourself, uh, Ian, uh, you know, every, Mike, of course, did everybody did great. Uh, it was a lot of fun, uh, tremendous weekend. If you guys followed along um, on PFF.com or on Twitter or wherever, thank you. Um, it was great. I mean, it was probably like twenty five ish hours worth of live coverage in studio, and then probably another 15 hours worth of live podcasts. Um, it was awesome. Super successful week. And um, why don't we talk, why don't we start with um, some winners here? And, and I actually do want to talk about the Niners maybe in between winners and losers. Cause I, I, um, I really do want to break down the, the Trey Lance, Justin Fields thing. I've been thinking about it a lot. Um, why don't you start with a, uh, your first winner here? Uh, I, I think the first winner, you know, it, despite the trade up with the Vikings um, in the first round, uh, I do think the the biggest winner is the it, it, one of the biggest winners is the Jets. Um, really, you, you you have a quarterback in Wilson who I think very highly of. You surrounded him with some talent um, in Elijah Moore, uh, Michael Carter, Elijah Vera Tucker. Um, you're already giving him more than you gave Sam Darnold. It, you know, in Sam's three seasons in New York, um, you got Salah, um, who I think makes, you know, a defense that doesn't have the most talent in the world uh, better almost immediately. Um, and, you know, they're not going to win the division this year, um, but I do think that they're they're heading in the right direction. I was curious if you're going to put the Jets in here. Look, I love the Elijah Moore pick at 34. I love it. I think that might have been my favorite pick of the entire day two, and it came early on there at pick 34. Elijah Moore was a receiver that I would have 100% been excited with in the back half of the first round. Now, they traded up. Now, here, here's the problem. They traded up and took Elijah Vera Tucker in the first round. There were multiple players that were better tackle prospects left, or at least 
in the same tranche as Vera Tucker left when they picked at 34. And that's my huge issue is you could have had a draft where you, um, where you took even Christian Derrishaw in the first round, which the Vikings ended up getting, but there were multiple opportunities to let the chips, um, you know, let the game kind of come to you. That said, I, I do agree because uh, I love the Elijah Moore pick. I think that when you look back on it, look, Wilson was a, a lock, um, but I think Moore is the type of guy, Moore, we should start, maybe really get our Al Michaels on, uh, Moore. Um, and uh, he could be a guy that I think really rounds that receiving court out, that you need a guy that can get open quickly, you know, um, mm-hmm. whether it be in the slot or outside. And he's, he's that type of player. I mean, he was just remarkably – uh, productive last year at Ole Miss, 91.2 grade um, last season. He, he's small, um, but you think about so many small receivers who are winning today in the NFL. You know, you look at Cole Beasley, you look at Jarvis Landry, um, guys who are, are winning in the slot. Um, and he wasn't, you know, his average depth of target last year was 11 yards downfield. It wasn't as if he was only, you know, a super sh- short in the slot guy. I think he can win a little bit outside. So I, I'm with you there. Um, let me give you my, my first winner. This is not surprising, but I have already bet them. We're going to talk about futures later. I've already bet this team as a long shot to win the Super Bowl, and, and that is the Chicago Bears. The Chicago Bears made a move that – we talk, we're talking a lot about the Chiefs, right? And we're talking a lot about how the Chiefs are making some moves that we don't agree with, but they have Patrick Mahomes. The Bears have a chance with this move, trading up to get Justin Fields, where you could go, they've made some really dumb moves. But they got Justin Fields, so it doesn't matter. And you think about how talented that roster is. You look at a guy in Justin Fields who, uh, you know, by every stretch of the imagination, he was the most accurate uh, passer in all of college football, past the line to gain. Um, If you go check out the NFL Draft Guide, you'll see where he threw the ball. It was all over the field. Draft uh, draft 30, by the way, I need to put that promo up. Um, but but to me, being the team that went up to go get Justin Fields, I think they're 50 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. Um, this is potentially, potentially a transcendent move, but they were mired in mediocrity. Hey, Eric, was it what, uh, three weeks ago, we said they were the worst in the worst situation of any team in the NFL? Like They no? were one of the worst teams. Yeah. 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 And despite being eight games over 500 the last. Um, you know, three seasons. I mean, there, there were a team that, I mean, this is, this is not the same as the Alex Smith to Patrick Mahomes move, but it's very similar in that the chiefs were, you know, winning enough to sort of be relevant, but not nowhere near the Super Bowl. And, mm-hmm. and this could be, uh, you know, like the bears have made the playoffs two of the last three years. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're right there with the, um, with the uh, Denver Broncos in terms of great team, bad quarterback. Now I want to mention one other pick that I love pick 39, Tevin Jenkins, Mm -hmm. um, a guy who 92 PFF grade last year, didn't allow a single sack um, at Oklahoma state. Um, Huge guy. NFL comp was Marcus cannon. Um, Like just a really, really solid tackle prospect to get a guy like that after picking Justin Fields. Um, I really like that pick as well. Um, yeah. Give me another winner. 
Yeah, this one's going to strike because I actually got something. Somebody was like, oh, you're actually being positive about this team. And I said, you know, I call balls and strikes. Um, but here, here's <laughs> what I'll say. I want, I want your ball and strike call, by the way. I think Kansas City got four starters out of this draft. Oh, okay. Um, Nick Bolton. So some, I asked somebody within the Chiefs org, I said, you know, who starts first, Nick Bolton or Willie Gay, the second round pick they had last year? knowing sort of the answer, which is that Nick Bolton is actually – so the last year they went for the high upside player, didn't start for them. They still need linebacker help. Nick Bolton, I think, gives them linebacker help. Um, I think, uh, you know, Creed Humphrey's probably going to start for them over Austin Blythe right away. That's a very good value pick for them at center. And then some combination of Noah Gray, the tight end they got, and Cornell Powell are going to help them in that sort of like third wide receiver, second tight end role – and help them in the red zone almost immediately, a place where they have struggled relative to how good of an offense they've been. And then obviously they used their first round pick on Orlando Brown. That, that's not quite, you know, you can't quite say that that's a starter out of this draft. But I do think that's a very hard thing. So we look at Tampa and we're saying, okay, Tampa drafts Joe Tryon. They they get Jalen Darden, which is a good value. And I generally like their draft. A lot of ups, high upside guys, but not a lot of guys that'll play for them this year. Kyle Trask. Like Kansas City is the rare team that's, three consecutive AFC championship games, two straight Super Bowls, and they did need to reload a little bit. And I think that despite I'll, – I'll refrain from saying giving them an A-plus draft because I don't think they did enough to help their secondary, but they did come out of this with players who I think will help them right away. I was muted. I'm an idiot. But what I was going to say is the only thing I would push back on is why did they not go strengthen their biggest strength? Well, uh, yeah, that's a good question. I think I think they – so, okay, with the full caveat that they are overreacting to the Super Bowl, mm -hmm. I think they view – making their offensive line a huge priority is strengthening their strength, which is quarterback Patrick Mahomes. Now we see the off, we see passing offenses a little bit more all encompassing in that the receivers help affect the offensive line, do their job better. And, and they could see it as saying, okay, Cornell Powell is not necessarily a separator, mm -hmm. but if you gave him, you know, let's say 2.75 seconds, you know, with a combination of a good offensive line and Patrick Mahomes, you know, sort of nego negotiating the pocket, it can sort of work in reverse. I like the receiver working to offensive line more than I like the other way around. But I do think this is going to be a great offense next season. And, you know, if second-round pick from two years ago, McCole Hardman you know, steps up a little bit, Cornell Powell gives them, you know, something, and Hill and, and Kelsey remain the best at their positions, they, they will be dangerous. Now, the, as a result of the draft, they did go down – in terms of odds to win the Super Bowl up to 525 from 500, which is not that much, but it, it's still something. Tampa became get, got higher odds to win the Super Bowl over the course uh, of this of this weekend. Yeah, that that's something we have to talk about when we get to the futures. Um, let's let me go to another team here um, that I thought was a winner, and I'm trying not to be super on the same side. You know, there are a lot of teams that are continuously showing up as as, as winners consistently. Um, so I, I don't want to be, you know, I want to be a little contrarian here and there, but I can't get away from this one and I would go with the team, but I actually think the biggest winner here 
was Tua. Um, and the reason I think Tua is the biggest winner, Tua Tagovailoa, is that the Miami Dolphins, I think, were very strategic in saying, we are going to give you every opportunity to be successful this year. And I'm kind of lumping in the offseason with their draft pick. But Jalen Waddell at six, wide receiver from Alabama, he presents exactly what Tua needs, which is a super speedy receiver, can get separation early in the route, um, can also stretch the field, but can get open over the middle of the field. And combining that with Will Fuller, another guy who has been consistently one of the best deep threats in the NFL as a 130-plus passer rating when targeted over the past three seasons, um, to me, this was massive. And I love the fact that then they came back and they went with an edge defender and Jalen Phillips, um, who we said we talked about with Evan was a, a you know a really good bet to be the first edge defender taken. He was at pick 18, uh, goes under his prop. And then they come back and they go corner uh, Javon Holland, who probably played a little safety out of Oregon, um, is a guy that's really versatile and dynamic, uh, can play all over the field. Um, then they go tackle at pick 42. I mean, they had a ton of picks here, right? Tackle at pick 42 with Liam Eichenberg out of Notre Dame. Um, if he can even play a little bit, that would be massive for them. So I really, I love their first four picks and I am buying the Dolphins uh, a ton this year, but I really like what they did. And if Tua can't perform this year, Eric, we'll be talking about this. If Tua doesn't perform this year with this situation, they need to re-rack. Of course, but you know, they're, they're as and we, you know, at, on the set today, everybody was kind of square and took all the favorites to win the division. My pick for the AFC East was at plus 333, the Miami Dolphins, because I do think that's the best bet there uh, once you take the odds in consideration. Give me another winner. Well, I, this everybody's saying this, but it's true. Mm-hmm. Cleveland continues to win. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, it, it goes without saying. I mean, honestly, uh, I think it was Spanky who said this, a professional sports better who I, you, who I think is one of the more entertaining Twitter accounts. He has uh, a great enter- Twitter account. And he said, you know, once the system is in place, the wins and losses don't really matter. And and I think, like, the same thing when you look at, like, Cleveland has such a great process in place. Like, the players don't even matter. Like, if mm-hmm. they take a corner at 25, I'm just like, oh, that's probably a great corner. There was a there was the case. Let me find exactly who it was um, at the end of the draft where our uh, – so it was, it was Richard Lacoon, the defensive back from Georgia – and they were they were saying, you know, I was looking at measurables in our system and they were terrible. And I, I I went reading a little bit and somebody was saying, well, you know, he got he got hit by a motorcycle or something right before pro day, tested mm-hmm. like crap. But the Browns knew use the use catapult or, you know, computer vision or whatever to find out that he was fast on the field during Georgia. I'm like, of course they did. Like, yeah. that's what the smart teams are doing. And uh, so, you know, there's an implicit trust there. And I know uh, I think it was John Leonard on Twitter um, today was saying, you guys always give the Ravens the benefit of the doubt. And I'm like, um, I'm like, yeah, they, they've earned it. Right. And I think there are two teams, the Ravens and the Browns sort of, no matter what they do, um, you know, it, it's sort of like what Belichick earned over the past 20 years. You're going to look and be like, Oh, where's the pro. Oh, I can see a reason for all this stuff. And I'm of course going to, to like the process being, being solid on that end. Yeah, this one, it's almost, it's getting almost nauseating, man, to talk about the Browns. Like, I, I mean, I, and I love Andrew Barry. I mean, our guy Quezzy's over there. Um, obviously, we root, you know, for, for a lot of guys on that team. 
Um, Stefanski's awesome. But aren't you a little nervous? Aren't you just a little nervous knowing knowing what you know about the Browns, okay? Even with Andrew Barry there and a great process and Kevin Stefanski, aren't you just a little nervous? Yeah, I, of course, but I'm I'm more nervous because the Ravens could be better than them. Okay. I'm not. What'd you think, real quick, what do you think of the Ravens? Because I, I, the Ravens were a team that were not – it wasn't my favorite draft, but I do think the Rashad Bateman pick and their process around trading Orlando Brown to end up getting that pick was one of my favorite mo- – or not getting that pick, but getting two picks. Uh, the first the of them, yeah. Um, was one of my favorite moves overall if you kind of combine it together. I didn't think they did – you know, I thought Jason Away – uh, probably pretty good value. You know, we had him at 25 on our board. Didn't have a single, you know, he, he was a great uh, physical specimen. They'll probably teach him a lot there. I'm sure that the Patriots will sign him for a ton of money. Um, but, but did that draft, did the Ravens draft make you a little more worried about them in the, in the division? No, I like, look, the, Rashad Bateman's a great, I think, prospect. Tylen Wallace was somebody who Ben and I won a great deal of money in DFS on. Mm-hmm. Uh, was the like air yards king at Oklahoma State and a very good football player. So I think those two players really fortify a need for them. Uh, Adafe away, you know, when you look at that pick, it's like classic Ravens in that, you know, he's not he like. He, other teams would be like, oh, crap, he didn't have a sack, and they'll, they'll mm-hmm. be fine with him, right? The, the same way they keep Tyson, Tayshawn Bauer um, and, and let, Bowser and let go of, um, you know, uh, Tyus Bowser and let go of uh, Matthew Judon and Yannick Ngakwe, um, Terrell Suggs, you know, all those players they let go before they're, you know, Brunel McPhee even back in the day, before, you know, they have to pay them too much. The Ben Cleveland pick was interesting to me. Um, the Sean Wade pick, I feel like he and Brandon Stevens was like not even on our board. So that like mm-hmm. th- th- there were some questionable picks for sure. Um, but I, you know, when I look at like and see how well they did with somebody like Brandon Carr, I feel like Sean Wade's going to do just fine there. So, I mean, you're talking about a B plus A minus and and in this world, like I tweeted this out to, you know, today is like in this world, what you want to avoid is being the New Orleans Saints where you have 15 draft picks in three years and two of them are Tommy Stevens and Ian Book. You know, like yeah, yeah. just get on the green. If you're a great team, just get on the green when you draft. And the Ravens, I feel like, you know, the the greens or the uh, fairways hit, if we're talking about golf, is almost like 100%. Yes. Okay. Uh, my last um, uh, winners, I have two. I'm cheating. A tie. Um, and the reason it's a tie is because both these teams, uh, I thought their process was tremendous in identifying value, but not over pursuing it the Chargers and the Patriots. Both of these teams selected players at 13 and 15, Rashawn Slater, tackled Northwestern, Mac Jones, quarterback Alabama, who could have easily gotten five to seven picks earlier. And you might have fallen in love with them and traded up for them. And instead they stood pat and they, and they picked them up. And I thought those were incredibly shrewd uh, pickups. And then I loved what each team did with their second pick. The, the New England Patriots saw Christian Barmore, a guy that we mocked at 14 um, earlier this year. They get him in the second round. The Los Angeles uh, defensive interior lineman from Alabama, our number one guy on our board. And then the Chargers come back and take Asante Samuel Jr., another guy at pick 47, cornerback from Florida State, who we would have taken 
in the first round and mocked in the first round both times. Um, and I thought that was tremendous process. I mean, really, really good process. Um, you know, and it's just, to me, it's, a, it's exactly what you need to do in the draft. I don't know that either of these moves or either of these drafts like change my opinion on them this year, but you keep stacking drafts like this and that's how you win down the road. So I loved both of those. Um, I'm sure the chargers will charger, but um, yeah, those are my, those are the other two that I really like. Somebody, somebody asked a great question, which I'll, I'll, I'll bring this back. So the chargers think about this. We're going to talk about Rogers to the Broncos. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming at some point. The Chargers have a great team uh, of players. Mm-hmm. Uh, what what appears to be an amazing head coach and some great minds, and they, from all indications, hit on a quarterback last year. Right? Not mm-hmm. only hit, not only like kind of Baker Mayfield hit, but like you know franchise quarterback hit last year, mm-hmm. and they're plus six hundred to win the division. Mm-hmm. So if you're Denver, so this is where, you know, I kind of push back at the whole, let's not ding Denver for not taking Justin Fields. Okay, I, I, I'm glad you're bringing this up. I, I still think they should have taken him. But Justin Fields doesn't make the Denver Broncos in year one or on average, right? The ceiling for Justin Fields puts them mm-hmm. in the conversation with Kansas City. The median for Justin Fields puts Chicago in the NFC North conversation. You see what I'm saying? So Mm -hmm. this is one where I look at Denver's draft and I'm thinking if they add Aaron Rodgers, this is a home run because this is the Aaron Rodgers is literally one of just a couple of quarterbacks that can make them even plus 150 to win the AFC West. You see what I'm saying? Okay. I'll start. I'll start with one of my losers. One of my losers is the Denver Broncos. I'm going to push back on this narrative. And it's not – sometimes I'm deliberately provocative. You know that. I'm not being deliberately, deliberately provocative here. I can't speak. They took Patrick Sertan at nine. They then traded up to pick 35 for a guy that I'm going to talk about later, Javante Williams. A running back. Our number one running back. They took him to pick 35. So let me ask you a couple questions to get this down the road here. Do you believe that Patrick Sertan Jr. is the key to a trade for Aaron Rodgers? Uh, well, given Eric Stokes was the pick later on for Green Bay, maybe not. Um, no, I, okay. no, I, I don't think so either. And th- th- be, simply because like, it's like driving a car off the lot, you know, it's like, I- I'd rather have the number nine pick. Once you take the player, it's like, ah, you know, maybe not. So if you take Justin Fields, now let's say, what do you think the actual chances are of the Broncos getting Aaron Rodgers? Uh, one in three, okay. a lot lower than 95%, right? Which is what, yeah. um, I think some people are assuming. So if you take Justin Fields and you don't get Aaron Rodgers, well then, you know, you're, you're in much better shape, right? Because it, it, Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke are not the answer. But if you get Aaron Rodgers, even if Justin Fields is not a player for whom the Packers are willing to trade for. I would argue that he still has so much more value than Patrick Sertan that you can go trade him to another team. I don't understand why why teams, why the Broncos were so afraid to take the most valuable player on the board who in 67% of situations at least gives them a shot to compete. Because right now with the top five roster, they're not competing with anywhere near the Chiefs because they don't have a quarterback. So to me, 
I love Patrick Sertan. I love the player. I love Javante Williams. I love the player. I do not like the process. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think you have Michael Ojemudier there. You have um, uh, Kyle Fuller. You have Bryce Callahan. Um, I think you have Ronald Darby too. So you're really like, you're really, you know, sort of overkill at that position. Mm-hmm. Um, again, my thought process is for this particular year. I don't think Justin Fields changes the odds that much. I agree. I do think long term he's better. You know, and but the thing is, is again, if you're going to shoot, so my issue is okay, you're at plus, I believe, 525 to win the division right now. Mm-hmm. So that puts you in sort of like a one in, you know, one in six situation to win the division. You're in a one in three position, let's say, maybe, and they're always overconfident. So let's say one in two position to get Aaron Rodgers. We know Aaron Rodgers doesn't like sort of any. Di- you know, it's distractions. He's likes that caddy quarterback not, uh, alongside him, not the guy that'll channel. He likes Matt mm-hmm. Flynn, right? He doesn't mm-hmm. like Jordan Love, and so, and given that the Packers already have Jordan Love, I, I would have traded back, of course. A- and if the Bears are willing to move up to eleven, they're willing to move up to nine. So I don't get why they just didn't move back. So, but at the same time, I can understand, like. I think that Rodgers clearly is the choice. Like, if I was doing this for Denver and I wanted to win a championship as quickly as possible, I would prefer Rodgers. I would have just done the ninth pick differently. I would prefer Rodgers too, but I would also prefer a world where I don't have Teddy Bridgewater or Drew Locke. Like, I don't think Justin Fields precludes a Rodgers move is what I'm saying. I get that it might be you might have to do a little extra work, you might have to work a few weekends in the off season post, you know, pre June one to make that shit happen. I, I don't care. Like that is a risk you take because your team is, they have done a great job of assembling talent. You're throwing the valuable years of that young talent out. Mm-hmm. Cortland Sutton, Jerry, Judy, KJ Hamler, Noah Fant. That offensive line is good, man. Like just, if the worst, if your worst outcome is Justin Fields, a guy who had, one game grade, the Northwestern game, under 70. He he was elite throughout his college career. If you if that is the worst thing you get, then you are in really good shape at least to compete I, in the future. Here's where I just here's where I see it though. They're 23 million under the cap. They're, you know, kind of like a Vaughn Miller move away from having enough money to incorporate Rodgers. You know, they're their young talent is on rookie control deal. Like this is the time to take a chance on a veteran guy like Rogers, right? Like, because yeah. you're pair, you want to pair the the veteran deals with the rookie deals. So yeah, again, I think if on average, they should have taken Justin Fields at the tails. They, they, they're at the tails. If they held out and got Rogers, I wouldn't be the, I, I would say that, okay, they got lucky. You know what I'm saying? Like that's, that's kind of how I see it. Okay. Um, before we transition to your first loser, your gut feel on Rodgers right now is what? I think he goes. To, I think he either retires or goes to Denver. Would it? Let's say. Let's say that the Niners have how much more compelling does the Niners' offer need to be? The Niners? Yeah. Do you think the Niners are out of it now? Do you think I think the Niners like, are out of it now. They're in love yeah. with Trey Lance? Okay. Like the – the, and again, you shouldn't act this way because everything needs to be 
somewhat Markovian in how you act. But if they trade Trey Lance and other things for Aaron Rodgers, the the ultimate price for Aaron Rodgers is going to be absurd. True. Yeah, because you're looking at four first round picks, a third round pick, and then more things. That's like essentially what they offered, right? Like another player or two. Herschel yeah. Walker was like, I think, five first round picks. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 the thing about Herschel that Jerry Jones had to pay Herschel $1 million to convince him to go to Minnesota. Like the price of the veteran player, I understand. Like, of course, quarterback matters more, but mm-hmm. like, not only do you have to pay that much. You, in terms of capital, but you also have to pay Rodgers, which I the Niners, as much as I think that they'll be a Super Bowl contender right away with Rodgers, long term they're shit if they if they do the deal. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a really good point, and I agree. I think the Niners, um, Niners are all in on uh, on Trey Lance. Okay, give me a give me a, a loser. Uh, I think I think you do have to go. Hmm. I think you do have to go with, you know, the Raiders. The Raiders like just didn't make any sense and mm-hmm. they haven't made sense for a long time. And I think unfortunately, here's here's what I'll say. This was always the thing with Cleveland where like every year you'd be like, "Yeah, sure, they stink, but they're moving in the right direction." The Cle- the the, uh, the Las Vegas Raiders have consistently made poor choices drafting and they and they're and their process has been consistently poor in drafting, and the results have been consistently poor in drafting, and they haven't really changed sort of what their operations have been. Mm-hmm. And so, like, what is the hope if you're a Raiders fan? The hope if you're a Raiders fan is that one of these days uh, a transcendent quarterback comes to play with you. Because, like, until that point comes, these these bad players are just going to continue to be worse. And it's not going to be fun to watch. And it sucks. Because it, the NFL is better when the Raiders are good. Um, but I don't know. The, the, talking about the Raiders and their poor choices is getting just – it's like getting t- tired almost. You know? I mean, Alex Leatherwood <laughs> – Alex Leatherwood at pick 17. Let's say – let's say, okay, so apparently that they um, – Tom Cable, this was his favorite lineman, which, okay, good. I want you to be your own man. But just because I happen to love In-N-Out Burger more than anyone else in the world, like, does not mean that I should leverage my home to go eat it, you know? And, like, if it's so, if that means that I miss out on something I really like because I'm unwilling to pay 30 times market value for it, then boo-hoo. You know, and that's the that's the thing that I just can't understand with them. And they do this continuously. Um, here's the other and thing. They do it and they do it consistently, not yes. just continuously, but they do the same thing. And I was saying this on the show today. It'd be like a gambler. It's different than a gambler who has a negative EV system and wins early and gets lucky yeah. and continues to bet into it. They're they have a, a negative EV system and they've been donking bets all, this entire time and they continue to do it without any like in theory they should have re- corrected by now they're it's not like i mean some people will say like uh you know a team like the chiefs or a team like uh new orleans or seattle where they get really lucky on a draft and they're mm-hmm. like let's go and they, they, they start believing in themselves that's almost worse than a team that has crappy drafts but then like sort of 
learns from it and gets better. Like Raiders get, have crappy drafts, don't learn from it at all, and continue to get worse. Um, the only thing I'd say to that is they they don't even understand that they're donking bets because they look at like they go back and look at like Brandon Jacobs and go, man, what a win, you know? Where it's like, yeah, great player, but you're not correlating, and that's the problem. That's what I was going to ask you. Is like. There's a problem with your offensive line coach dictating your draft strategy. Like, yeah, you want to know who he thinks is best, but if you as the GM can't understand, your job is to figure out value. If like, if Tom Capel comes to you, Eric, and you're the GM and goes, look, I, I love this guy. He's the best guy in the draft, the best guy in the draft. Your job is to go, okay, I know that. I'm going to go figure out what the market thinks of him. And if I can, if I can get this best guy a little bit, you know, above where the market would get them, then great. Right. I mean, isn't that fall that falls on Mayock and Gruden. Like that's literally their job. Right. Anyways. Yeah. I mean, and, and if you can't get him, you can't get him. but you know, yeah. it, it sounds your, your like team, your team ain't going to win and die on Alex Leatherwood. Let me tell you that. <laughs> well, Alex Leatherwood, the opportunity cost that they gave up for Alex Leatherwood might end up hurting them long-term for sure. Yes. Okay, uh, I'm. I was gonna save my worst for last, but I'm. Not, I can't do it. I can't. I can't wait any longer. Um, the, the worst draft in, in uh, 2021, in my humble opinion, um, were the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, they have so many issues, so many issues, um, and they took a, a running back at pick 24. And I love Najee Harris, fantastic player, um, but the Pittsburgh Steelers continue to not understand the causation behind some of the simplest things in football that they run play action at like 10% below uh, league average. The, the only team in the NFL over the last three seasons that runs it less than 15, actually less fewer than 20% of the time, which is hilarious. And they had a horrible running game last year. And they thought that the key to the running game was to go get a running back when their offensive line is a disaster. Um, I thought this was a, just a, a, poor poor choice they then go pick 55 and take a tight end um they should have taken in my opinion a one of the three quarterbacks either trask mills or mond um they go get a guard uh, who's probably going to play center at pick 87 um in kendrick green so they go harris tight end pat fryermuth who's a whatever player like really brevin jordan's probably going to be you know, better than him. It was way later, but like they don't run play action to get anyone open. So who knows? Um, th this was just a, a, a disastrous draft. It was like, I don't know. I, I don't not, and I'm not trying to be um, uh, like hard on the Steelers. Like I would have done this for any team. You don't this have to, you, you don't like, look, man, like Steelers fans have been all up in our mentions for like a few days. You don't have to, you don't have to apologize to them because they had a, like, They've had bad process and you like, they're like, Oh, PFF was wrong about us last year. We went 12 and four. It's like, we were right. We talked about you when you were 11 and no. So since then you've been one in five. Mm -hmm. So like, not good. I, the thing is actually one of uh, person listens to the show, uh, brilliant, you know, uh, Ron Yurko, he was like, you know, he was ranting about the Steelers and how much, you know, his favorite team has sort of like fallen behind over the past few years and how it's not fun to watch some of their rivals be so intelligent um, and, and his favorite team sort of fall behind. And it's like, you know, I, I met, you know, it is hard because I think the Steelers have had success in many ways, despite these things. Mm -hmm. And the, 
inertia from having a great coach and a great quarterback is still stronger in the NFL than any of the edges you get from analytics. So that is that that's like really hurt. I think the Steelers in terms of trying to become a better team, like now that that and like now that the the edge that they have at QB and to a far lesser extent head coach are sort of gone. Now the other teams are catching up to them. And it's tough because, you know, the fans who are not, you know, who are kind of myopically looking at their team are almost always going to be sort of slow to that, you know, to that realization as anybody like, look, when you picked a a fight with a fan base, you know, right? Like the Vikings were not like when you said six and 10 last year, they were pretty pissed and, you know, it's not that hard when you, when at 11 and 0, you say the Steelers are overrated. Everybody gets mad and then they go one and five, like these things, like you have to be sort of the first to them. And, um, you know, fans are always the last to them. Oh, I, I'm living off that one forever. But like what we try and do is identify where there are where data tells you something differently than the results and, and what the media is saying. And I'll say this. This is another example of it. I was I had NFL Network on right before this and the Steelers draft grade came up. And you know what they got? An they a? got a fucking A. An Jesus. A. An A. I mean, people out there are leg- if you listen to this podcast, if you want to be like, I know there aren't edges in, you know, like game to game against the spread, you know, stuff, but like, there are so many people that don't understand football that are even working in football. Like the opportunity to take advantage of these things is all over the place. And it's now, um, and I'm taking advantage of it here. I, I am fading the shit out of the Steelers this year uh, because they just, I mean, they, they, they needed help and they just, they didn't get any of it. Um well, yeah, it's not great. I mean, they're of the of the teams. It's going to be a rude awakening for teams like Green Bay, for teams like Pittsburgh. Um, you know, for teams like I think Tampa is actually quite sharp in many ways. Although mm-hmm. uh, our friend and colleague Timo Riske, he and I joke that most of these teams are a random walk where we're just looking yeah, we're- at the derivative of it, yeah. and it's sort of like, but. Like some of these teams are in for rude awakening when the inertia of having a great quarterback is gone. And I think Pittsburgh is no a Pittsburgh and, and granted, like look, let's look at it from their perspective. Let's be, let's have some empathy here. Pittsburgh has had three head coaches in the last like 50 years, mm-hmm. and they've all three been amazing. And the the Steelers have ha- have had almost no prolonged stretches of being bad. So would they even know it if they saw it? No. So like I, I'll have a little bit of empathy here, but I do unless they somehow luck into a QB or, um, you know, something in the near future, like it's going to be, I think, a, a, lo- a hard thud for them. All right, hit me with another loser. Oh, man. Uh, I think Seattle has to be. I mean, the players they drafted are okay, I guess. I mean, they overdrafted their first player. Um, yeah, went, Dwayne Eskridge, wide receiver, Western Michigan, was 164 on our board and 56 yeah, um, uh, but like Trey yeah, Brown was a good pick. Stone yeah. Forth, Forsyth was a, a good value. But you're talking about a, a team that, you know, you're talking about three draft picks. And they used two first rounders this year, next year on a player who it plays a position that wasn't even drafted in round one. So mm-hmm. you're like the positional value aspect of it is not great. Um, you know, I, they're still plus 300 to win the division. So the market is fading them this year where I would probably still make that bet. But I think long-term, they're, they've totally been 
like, I don't know, is this golf analogy? I'm, I'm 0 for 17 on them, but like this yes. golf analogy is like they're, they're, they got that great driver, but it doesn't always get on the fairway. Uh, yeah, I think you're 0 for 18. I didn't even, okay. I don't even know where that was going. Maybe we need to get out to the golf course. You know what we're going to do? We're I'm not do- golfing. I already talk, told. I already told Austin when I'm in Vegas. I refuse to walk we around going, for four hours. We're going, no, no, no. We're going to Top Golf. Top Golf, uh, I'm fine with. And we're putting it live. Okay, we're doing it live. We're gonna. You know what we'll do is we'll take bets. We'll allow people to bet on your every swing on Periscope. I promise. By the way, uh, a shout out to our friend Tim Murray who uh, listens to the show, works for Veasan. Yes. Uh, who who invited us to the the circus sportsbook this week? Oh, we're gone uh, for a show that should be pretty fun. Um, it, it uh, I, I'm excited. I mean, I'm I'm just I'm giddy about that. Okay, my last uh, loser, and honestly, there were a few. Like, I think Green Bay had a a poor draft. I don't. Everything in Green Bay right now is is kind of rough um, with Rodgers. But like Eric Stokes, to me, was overreacting to a forty time ran below four three. Um, but listening to to Darius Butler and and Mike, who broke down his film, they're like, look, the the guy's ability, you know, the change of direction, the fluidity, way he moves his hips, those kinds of things don't show up, and um, that's that's kind of an overdraft. Um, I also think, interestingly, the Jacksonville Jaguars are – look, tra- it's hard to give someone say they're a loser if you draft Trevor Lawrence, but then you go Travis Etienne and Tyson Campbell, um, and that like that is rough to me. Both guys, they picked easily 25 to 40 spots ahead of where we had them on the big board um, and a running back in the first round. I mean, that was, to me, boneheaded. But I have to go with the New Orleans Saints, Eric, because what the fuck? <laughs> Ian, so my favorite thing, so on on Twitter, if you, if people don't notice, I, I mute, I, I I you know we have all of our people like you know, there's a liberal muting, but every once in a while, one of somebody in your group a, you know, Instagrams out my name about something I said, and there are these bros on Instagram who come after me about a take, and the Ian book where I was just like, and, and again, Ian book's number yesterday, I think this was actually Tim Murray that tweeted it out was. Um, 229 and a half um was was his uh you know was his uh you know sort of prop and he went what 130 mm-hmm. and i'm like i'm just like this is a massive like overdrafting and like ian book as somebody i bet on the senior ball because i'm that degenerate and ian book was on the other side and i'm like thanking god every five seconds that the guy just like went christian ponder on every single drop back like he's bad and the, the Saints draft him at like 130, like, or, you know, whatever. It's like, how ridiculous was that? And, and that was one of just, and then they go, you know, non power I mean, five defensive. Let's, let's read their draft here. Okay. They go, Peyton Turner was 58 on our board. They pick him at 28. They then go, Pete Warner, linebacker, Ohio State, another guy, 40 picks ahead of where we had him on the board. The only pick I semi liked was Paulson Adebo, and he was 50 spots ahead of where we had him. At round three, it picked 76. And then Ian Book, look, got nothing against Ian Book. By all accounts, awesome dude. Hard worker, tremendous competitor. So are you, Eric. And I'm not fucking taking you in round four, five, six, seven. Or if there was an eighth round, I'm not even picking you in the eighth round to be my quarterback, Okay. You got to be able. You got to have the ability there, and you got to understand. Like, was anyone beating down the door to take Ian Book? Like, the, the, here's the problem for the Saints: they are not 
anywhere near as sound a roster going forward as they've been in the past because of where their cap is, the number of players they're going to have to get rid of to get under the cap that are they're good players that make a lot of money is going to be massive. So you can't, you can't miss these picks. And I think they've been held up by that lucky, you know, I, I call it lucky. I mean, it, all good drafts are lucky to a certain extent, right? But your process can't continue to be bad. And that the, the Kamara Ramchek um, draft was so good. And I think it's, it's held them up a little bit. Um, who else was in that draft? Was that Lattimore as well? Um, but they've had 15. So let me look here. They have 15 picks the last three years. And two of them were throwaway quarterbacks. Um, it's unbelievable. Like that that's like the exact opposite way to replenish a roster that has this much in the way of salary cap hell. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Peyton Turner is a guy, look, super is like 6'6, 270, long and lanky. Okay. But he played at Houston. He played like what four games and you, it ton of variance. I mean, he had he had eleven uh eleven pressures. In, in all in five games in all of 2020. I mean, that is a lot of projection for a guy in the first round it, for a team that doesn't need to be doing that. So uh, I'm fading the Saints this year. And, and by in doing that, I'm, I'm taking the Falcons. Um, that was my last one. I, I do want to. So I want to get to futures, but I want to quickly. I want to ask you about the Trey Lance Fields thing. Um, you've talked a lot about how you feel like it was a big miss to go fields, uh, to go Lance instead of fields at three. Um, and I've been thinking a lot about it and I feel like I'm being a little, um, like trying to figure out why it was the right move. Cause I'm a Niners fan in the way that you might do with the chiefs as well. So I want you to, to tell me your thoughts on it now. And I'm, then I'm going to give you a pitch and see if you buy any of it. Okay. Here's what I'll say. I here I'll say this. It's unfair for me to say the Trey Lance have been available at 12. Because I do think the entire league loves Trey Lance the same way they love Steve McNair and they loved Carson Wentz and all this kind of stuff. With mm-hmm. the, you know, that being said, Mac Jones. If the Niners drafted Mac Jones at twelve, you would have been fine with it. Yes, mm-hmm. yep. the Niners drafted Justin Fields. If the Niners moved up one spot to take Justin Fields at eleven, you would have been fine. I, yes, I, we would have been. Yeah, you would have been extremely happy. Cartwheels, yeah. The trade up for the trade up for specifically for Lance is egregious as a result of that of the opportunity cost because the trade up was not only the trade up. Let's even assume the best out of them that they traded up and they knew they wanted Lance. Mm-hmm. It's like they overpaid for the trade up. And they they not only paid three first round picks for the trade up and a third rounder, they they paid that opportunity cost to take Fields, plus you know they give up a little bit for that trade up, or Mac Jones. Mm-hmm. They completely misunderstood the quarterback market this year. In addition, once they already got to three, they took the worst of the two prospects. Justin Fields is a better prospect than Trey Lance. You can make an argument that Trey Lance is like ceiling the hundredth percentiles higher than Justin Fields, but you cannot make an argument in my estimation that the medians are the same. You just can't. So, and, and the, the Niners were not a team that needed the upside of Trey Lance to get out of some rut. 
they're not uh, a bad, they're not the Jets, right? The reason I like Zach Wilson so much is because the Jets don't need a Teddy Bridgewater type draft pick. They don't need a Baker Mayfield type draft pick. They need a Zach Wilson, Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes draft pick. That's what they need. And the Niners don't, and the Niners, the whole time they talked about it, don't. They need a guy that will do, that will play within the confines of the San Francisco system, blah, blah, blah. And to me, then you're over-selecting for upside or you're mis you're miscalculating mean in that case. Mm-hmm. And then the last part, which I, I don't think is trivial, is they they their frustration with Jimmy G was not poor play. Their frustration with Jimmy G was mainly injury-based. Mm-hmm. And when you move to a Trey Lance who play style, I think, would I think favorably compared to Cam Newton, what's the issue with Cam Newton? It's injuries. And that play style. Like is not one where even the strongest, the biggest hoss in the world, which is Newton, can withstand injuries for all that long. Yeah. Okay. Those are all those are all incredibly valid points. Um, Justin Fields' production was one hundred percent putting it puts his mean above Trey Lance's. Here's what I'll say. I I think that it's it's there's a wider box than just the hundredth percentile where Lance is better. And it's again, the sample size reason we've seen Justin Fields for a while and there's one knock on him, right? There's one knock. He holds onto the ball. He accepts pressure and, you know, almost 50% of his pressured plays resulted in a sack or a scramble. Okay. I'm now I'm nitpicking. I'm nitpicking, right? Mm-hmm. Trey that's the Lance, nit to pick for sure. For th- sure. That's the nit to pick. So if you say to yourself, we want to take a shot at a guy who can be, dare I say Patrick Mahomes, I'm just using that, like that type of a player. Okay. Then I think you can make the argument for Trey Lance in that you've seen less and you, you don't have some of those examples. Now, the tough thing about that is what you are saying is that, in the small sample size where his accuracy hasn't been as good as Justin Fields, his accuracy is going to improve. And that is the thing that I am is going to be fascinating. I think this is a bet, Eric, that accuracy can improve more than the ability to, to quickly diagnose pressures and get rid of the ball and those tendencies to hold on to it and either scramble or take sacks. That's what I think this bet was on. Yeah. And 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 I think that's going to be fascinating to watch. I will also say this. As great of an athlete as, as Fields is, uh, Trey Lance is the best runner in this in this draft uh, from the quarterback position. Yep. Um, and that that I think will be very if he also has better pocket awareness, that can be transcendent. So to me, the, the, the rationale there is I would say 90th percentile and above Lance's outcomes are better than Fields. Do you think I'm being a homer? No. I mean, you're fine. I mean, I, I've done enough, enough Chiefs homerism to, to last us a lifetime both sides. But here's, the, here's what I'll say. If you evaluate this decision by the Niners, you have to evaluate two. The trade-up, which I mm-hmm. think in 10 times out of 10 was a mistake. The drafting of Lance over Fields, I think, is a mistake seven out of ten times. 
Yeah. So I'll, I'll give you that. It's like the trade up makes zero sense. That that's that's my that was my that's my thing. And look, there could have been other teams. Um there could have been other teams that that bluffed them off and all this kind of stuff and they felt they needed it and all that. But ultimately the the smartest teams this this year wait it out every you know and and the smartest teams every single draft wait things out and to me the opportunity cost of waiting is far smaller than the or small far, far bigger the opportunity cost of being uh, of not waiting is is bigger than the difference between these qbs okay i agree okay we're gonna do um some futures here before we do a uh, reminder promo code is right there uh, draft 30 still gets you 30% off for the next couple of days and you can buy an, an annual subscription. So go get an elite subscription um, and get that, that 30% off. It takes you through all the way to next May um, or get yourself an edge subscription gets the, the draft guide, all the fantasy um, uh, tools and all of the premium content. Um, and that's 30% off as well. So either one an annual subscription carries you through the whole year, go get it done. Uh, the other thing I wanted to say at Underdog Fantasy, you can if you want to play some best ball this summer, you can even get a better deal because if you deposit ten dollars at Underdog Fantasy um, and use promo code PFF, you get a free uh, PFF Edge annual subscription. So both deals super awesome. Underdog Fantasy um, at the best best ball uh, app out there. It's it's awesome. And then last but not least, Eric, I know you have a special affinity now. For what we're, what's what's called Sweat Taylor, that's the brand. You looked like Snack Taylor uh, over the course of the last Stop. three days. And I, I have it on to the say, so my, my father listens to the podcast. How's it going, Dad? And he texts me this week, and there are a few people at his church that apparently uh, that apparently listen to the show. And my friend Vince apparently told he goes to church, with my dad. Uh, made he goes. He, was, my dad texts me. He goes, hey, Vince said uh, you, you had a great show. You liked your jacket. The jacket <laughs> was a hit among everybody, apparently, including our so, friends Trent Petro too. Petro messages during the show. Um, it's a great so story. The, so the story is, I walk. So I walk into the studio, and you are wearing just the yellow sweater, and it was, it was, uh, it was a lot to take in. So the jacket honestly was kind of a lifesaver. Now it was also an interesting look, but kind of a lifesaver. Anyways, I say all this to say, I love this brand now. Um, I have been wearing, so the, the jeans, the pants are magical. I'll say that magical. They're very comfortable. Yeah. Like you very can comfortable. Go get, my favorite pants right now are the duo denim, either black or uh, charcoal gray. They're, they look like jeans. They feel like, like, like not like you're wearing nothing. Um, and uh, I, I could not, uh, recommend them more. Use promo code PFF dash S W E T sweat for 25% off at sweattailor.com. I love the pants. Also the jacket, um, the driver's jacket. I love that jacket. One of my new favorite pieces out there. So go check that out. All right. We're losing listeners. So we're going to get to some futures. Are you ready? Yep. All right. Let's start offensive rookie of the year on DraftKings Sportsbook. The odds are as follows. Trevor Lawrence, three to one. Justin Fields, five to one. Trey Lance, seven to one. As is Zach Wilson, Jamar Chase, and Kyle Pitts, eleven to one. Najee Harris, twelve to one. Mac Jones, fourteen to one. Devontae Smith, sixteen to one. As is Jalen Waddle, Travis Etienne, and Trey Sermon are twenty-five to one. 
Michael Carter and Kadarius Toney, along with Javante Williams, are 33 to 1. Rashad Bateman, Elijah Moore, 40 to 1. Terrence Marshall, 50 to 1. And Rondale Moore, 66 to 1. Your favorite bet of this group is who? Uh, I already said this on the show today, and I and I'm going to completely, uh, I'm going to completely um, you know, sort of play into your homerism. I like Trey Sermon at twenty five to one. Wow, yeah, that's actually your favorite bet. That's not just like a long shot that you like. That's your favorite. No, the, the rest bet. of these odds are garbage. Really? Trevor Lawrence three to one. That's terrible. You're that's saying terrible. he's going to win the Rookie of the Year in one out of four. That's he might terrible. not even start all 16 games one out of four times. Um, Fields, uh, he he's not he might not start right away. Lance, like all like all the quarterbacks are bad bets. Um, even like and then once you get past the all bad bets numerically, then once you get past the quarterbacks, I mean, Jamar Chase plays for the Bengals. He might only be their third option in year one. Kyle Pitts, same thing. Atlanta. Najee Harris is going to play for a four and thirteen Steelers team. He's not winning the MVP. <laughs> He's not winning Rookie of the Year. Getting all these like catches when they're down by seventeen. Mac Jones not even going to start. Devontae Smith plays for a terrible Eagles team. Jalen Waddle. Jalen Wall's a decent bet. I'll give him that sixteen to one. I don't hate that. Um, Etn again. The Jaguars are, might suck. Trey okay. Sermon. You look at Trey Sermon. This is the Niners team that's like going to be pretty freaking good. They're going right. to be ahead. And um, you know, right. and All right. but let me let me tell you what's up here because I like where your head's at. I really like where your head's at. Here's the problem: the Niners are not going to give Trey Sermon enough run. Okay, they are going to spread the wealth, baby. And one of the ways they're going to spread the wealth, and I believe this wholeheartedly, is with Trey Lance. I think that the whole Jimmy G is going to be our quarterback is a bunch of bullshit. And it's just trying to drive up his – they're trying to trade him. Because if not, they're going to have to cut him. And um, th- that's all this is. So I actually – among the favorites, I like Lance the most. And here's why. If they win that division and he plays 12-plus games – they are going to be on the forefront of the medium. This is not just about picking who's going to play best. This is not projecting PFF grade. This is who the media is going to love. And in my opinion, Fields, Wilson, and Lance all playing at Premier uh, with Premier teams, the Niners are the ones with the best chance to win that division. And so I, I also think Lance's rushing floor is the highest of those that the offensive line and the scheme is by far the best of those. So if I'm betting a favorite, I'm betting Trey Lance seven to one, but here's what happens. Like, I feel like Trey Lance's like Trey Lance might not even start all the games, you know, whereas I I think Trey Trey Sermon is like going to be the running back for the San Francisco 49ers. And like the defenses they face are like a bad Arizona defense a bad Seattle defense, and while yeah. the Rams are a good defense, they're a give up the run, allow the pass defense. So oh, like, sir. or give up the run, stop the pass defense. Like Trey Sermon to me at twenty five to one is like just preach it to me, man. Okay, I like it. Here's one I like more: Javante Williams thirty three to one. Yeah, Javante Williams has the best break. Uh, what am I even trying to say? He's the most elusive running back here. He broke the most tackles per attempt out of all these running backs. Oh, I got a good connection here, George. I got a good connection. 
Okay. He, he, he broke almost 80 tackles last year. He had like 140 attempts. Okay. The guy just makes people miss that translates, you know, we don't want to compare players to great players, but like there's a little Alvin Kamara juice to him. And that passing game is going to need him because if it's Teddy Bridgewater or Drew fucking Locke, they're going to need to give him the ball. Their offensive line is good. Their, their other weapons are good. The teams will not be able to focus on him. And if they get Rodgers, then he's going to be in the spotlight. He's going to have a chance to be absolutely incredible. I love I like Javante Williams. I like Trey Sermon a lot. Javante Williams, 33 to 1 is my favorite. Oh, I got here the cheeseburger Eddie Lacy in 2013 as a rookie, second round pick, playing with Aaron Rodgers. NFL mm-hmm. Offensive Rookie of the Year. If Aaron Rodgers goes there, then he is he is set, then thirty three to one is an absolute steal. Um, okay, let's go to defensive rookie real quick. Micah Parsons four to one. Jalen Phillips seven to one. Quiddy Pay, Patrick Sertan ten to one. Zayvon Collins uh, on the Cardinals is eleven to one. Jamin Davis, uh, the Washington Football Team linebacker, now is twelve to one. J.C. Horn and J- Jeremiah Owosu Koromoa. Uh, both 14 to 1. Greg Rousseau is 16 to 1. Greg Newsom, 20 to 1. Aziz Ojolari, 20 to 1, as is Adafe Away. Caleb Farley and Eric Stokes, uh, along with Joe Tryon, both 20, uh, all 25 to 1. Nick Bolton, Trayvon Merrig, 33 to 1. Christian Barmore, Richie Grant, Javon Holland, Asante Samuel Jr., Pete Warner, uh, 40 to 1. Uh, there's a lot of other long shots there. There are not. There's not that many good bets here. I'll say that. If you bet yeah. Micah Parsons, you are a square. There is no. There, like, yes. The, the defense is very difficult to predict, but I will say I do like one and only one of these, and I like Asante Samuel Jr. at forty to one. Mm-hmm. That is a defense that made. Um, I'm trying to remember Darius Williams look yes. like the next coming of Asante Samuel Senior last mm-hmm. year uh, on the Rams. To me, that that's the that's the bet to make of this group if you're going to bet it. I love that. That was my favorite as well. I'll give you two more that I sort of like. Um, I sort of like Christian Barmore, 40 to 1, just because I think he goes to a defensive scheme that is good in, in New England. And so he's going to be utilized well. I think he's a very good player. He was uh, a guy that we had in the top half of the first round, as I said before. And I'll give you one more. 20 to 1, not the greatest price, but like Aziz Ojolari is a really talented player. And it's all about whether you can stay on the field with his. Um, knee injuries and he's playing in New York and that is a huge media market and so part of this is identifying the players that will get that extra juice and he'll get that extra juice but the favorites here are an absolute atrocity um okay let's let's do some other futures that we that we like whether it be regular season MVP division Super Bowl are there any based off this week that you're betting right now uh, it was tough. Okay. I will say this though. There are some division odds that I think have some value starting mm-hmm. with, I think the New York giants at plus four twenty five to win the NFC East is a, is a value. Mm-hmm. I don't, their price is the same as the Eagles and the Eagles are a train wreck. The giants, if you get a, a, a modicum of improvement from Daniel Jones are a contender in my opinion. Um, that's one. And I'm, Daniel Jones, by the way, a top half of the NFL graded quarterback, but his his box score stats atrocious. And you think about Kadarius Tony, Saquon Barkley, like those players make that offense a lot. Like Kenny Galladay 
it gives them a chance to be dynamic on offense. Like that's, that has not been close to anything we've said about them in forever. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's a, that's a good point. I mean, and it pains me to say it because we've ripped Gettleman, but Gettleman has turned coat so much over the past like little bit here that it's it sort of, um, he, he, he's put himself in a position to, to be thought of, I think highly here. Um, Jags, we've had the Jags since they were 12 to one, um, seven and a half to one. Now, I think that that says more about the rest of the AFC South than it might say about, um, the, uh, you know, the Jags themselves. Um, you know, I like the bills too much, but I do think the best bet in the AFC East is dolphins plus their three mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the Chicago Bears, I think right now, you know, prior to all the Rodgers news, both the Bears and the Vikings were above plus 400 to win the NFC North. The Vikings have shot up to plus 250. The Bears are plus 325. I think the Bears are the better of those two bets now. 100% agree. Uh, They should not have shorter odds than the Minnesota Vikings. I am all aboard with that. I'll give you a couple more that I like. Falcons, 8-1 to to win that division. I understand that the Bucs are there. I do get that. The Saints are three to one. So someone there is high. I mean, like yeah, that's the Saints is just that's a joke. Um, and the Falcons, look, Kyle Pitts was a move for now. They dramatically improved from a head coach and offensive scheme perspective. I am all in. I've said I've said this forever, but I'm all in on the Falcons, baby. I, I love that one. Um what was the other one that I really liked? You mentioned the, the the Dolphins here. Oh, the Cardinals at six to one. So the Rams, the Seahawks, the Niners may be trying stuff out with Jimmy G or rookie quarterback. I know that Cliff Kingsbury is not our favorite from a coaching perspective, but you have Kyler Murray who played hurt the second half of last year. He stays healthy another year with DeAndre Hopkins. Um, they went and got Rondell Moore who is – special with the ball in his hands. I think they're going to be a very hard offense to stop. And at six to one, um, which is the longest odds in that division. Uh, I like that a lot. Um, you mentioned the dolphins plus three 33. That was the other one that I really liked. So those are, those are some bets um, that I've made by the way, one that we talked about earlier um, in the, in the off season where the Browns, you could have had them at close to two to one. They're now plus plus one fifty. Ravens plus plus one twenty. I think that's interesting. Yeah, I absolutely. Um, yeah, it's th- this is going to be. I think, and and what in a couple of weeks we're going to see the the well, no, ten days from now we're going to see the actual schedules come out, which have mm-hmm. sort of the nooks and crannies uh, therein. But it's sort of fun to see how these numbers have have moved. Uh, you know, since since that time. As I said, the one Super Bowl bet that I made um, <laughs> was the Chicago Bears at fifty to one. I don't know that there are any others that I really like, but I was—I had this thought, and maybe this is how we can close out. I want to ask you a question here. I'm looking at Super Bowl odds, and you see the Chiefs, you see the Bucks. You go, okay, they, they could win the Super Bowl. And then you go to the Rams and the Bills. You go, okay, maybe, you know, maybe. They have quarterbacks that, you know, could be on the right side of variance, really talented teams, coaches that you like. You go to the Niners the Ravens, the Browns, the Packers. I don't like how many teams when you're, when you're betting a team to win the Super Bowl, are you just like, man, I just, how man, like how? Yeah. Well, in the AFC, it's tough because like 
Kansas City, you can't bet Chiefs 525. No. It's just like it's just too much. Our simulation will probably come out and like it because they're so good and they have so many of the good pro- the properties of a good team. But yeah, but then you look later on in the AFC. It's Bills at fourteen to one. Those don't seem like long enough odds for me to buy. Uh, Ravens fifteen to one. Browns sixteen to one. Once you get past those teams, I don't like any of the AFC teams to mm-hmm. win the Super Bowl. Like mm-hmm. maybe Miami, maybe the Chargers, but like no. But and then the NFC, it's like the Bucks six and a half to one is way too like those aren't. That's not a good enough payoff. And then every other team just like to me doesn't have the characteristics. The Rams at 13 to one nine yeah. like there's just too much there. So it, it's weird. But like right now, I just probably would lay off the Super Bowl futures. Plus, the hold is is huge this time. Of year as well. Massive. Hold is massive. We've got win totals on Wednesday. That's going to be fun. We're going to rerun the simulation. Um, we'll talk uh, win totals that we like. We've obviously done that. Um, right when they came out. Uh, so you can go check out those episodes if you want, if you're hungry, if you're thirsting for a little bit of win totals action because there are win totals up. Um, we discussed those. Of course, head to pff.com. There's like oodles of content. So anything that you want to read about, dive into these players. There's literally a write-up on every single player over there. So if you want to get into it, um, want to waste your Monday not working, go check that out. We thank you guys. There's like a 1,000 people watching right now. We appreciate all of you. Um, hope you had a great weekend. We appreciate the love. And some of you that are telling me to go bald and, you know, telling Eric not to wear his Xbox head, headphones. We, we appreciate the, 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 the fun. Okay, here's one more.